Hey, Jack. Ah, what do you got for me this afternoon? A train. That okay? Yeah, fine. I, what's... Uh, nothing. Shopping bags? <laughs> nice pink color. You been at the ladies' store? Oh, uh, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Looks like hand lotion. Well, uh... Hey, seven different kinds of hand lotion? What's up with that? Construction's hard on my hands, Jack, and I don't like cracked skin when I hold Mary's hand. Oh. So I was, you know, trying out a few moisturizing options. Moisturizing options. Bernie, this is so sweet. Marriage, you're never too far apart when you're still holding hands. You know, Jack, if you tried some, Kathy might hold your hand more often. <laughs> you, you think that they may have more of this, you know, lemony fragrance? Let me look over here. Wait a minute, here's a big bag. What, 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 what about that stuff? It smells nice. Yeah. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, for tips on strengthening your marriage, visit family.mormon.org. Can you tell if the leftovers from this dinner party are beginning to grow bacteria that could lead to severe diarrhea, vomiting, and stomach cramps? Listen. You can't see it either. Get leftovers into the refrigerator as soon as possible. Spoiled leftovers can make you very sick or worse. Roughly 3,000 Americans will die from food poisoning this year, but you can keep your family safer. Check your steps at foodsafety.gov. Brought to you by the USDA, HHS, and the Ad Council. Talk about good. BYU Radio now has an app available for your iPad and iPhone. Listen to great shows like Thinking Aloud, Notes from the Kennedy Center, and The Morning Show. And if BYU sports is what you crave, we've got BYU football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, and soccer all streaming live on the BYU Radio app for iPad and iPhone. Hey everybody, coming up on the Matt Townsend Show, hopefully you do not know somebody who is crushed under huge loans that they can't pay back. But if you do, how to keep the stress from ruining relationships and how to prevent your loved ones from digging themselves into a hole to begin with. Coming up next. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Obama has been meeting with congressional leaders to discuss economic policies, but little headway has been made towards a solution. In fact, while he and the leaders did discuss the president's five-item to-do list of tax breaks and mortgage relief, much of the meeting was spent debating a fresh outbreak of gridlock on the deficit. House Speaker John Boehner renewed his demand for big spending cuts before the debt limits raised again at year's end. We should not hold the full faith and credit of the United States hostage to one party's political agenda. That's White House spokesman Jay Carney. A spokesman for Boehner summed up the meeting by saying the speaker enjoyed the sandwiches. Mark Smith at the White House. Factory and production jobs are continuing to push the economic recovery forward. Industrial output increased by six-tenths of a percent in April. The Federal Reserve says a 3.9% jump in auto production accounted for half of that increase. The Institute for Supply Management, a trade group for purchasing managers, says manufacturing activity grew in April at its fastest pace in 10 months. Over the past five months, one million new jobs have been added to the economy, with 17% of those new hires being in manufacturing. Tim McGuire, Washington. Another key industry is making a comeback as the nation's home builders are starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel as the struggling industry strives to recover. 
The Commerce Department says housing starts were up 2.6% in April, and that was over an upwardly revised number in the previous month. The level of starts close to January's three-year high. Another positive sign, applications for permits to build single-family homes were also higher. There was a decline in building permits for apartments, but that's a category that's notoriously volatile. Some experts are cautiously optimistic the worst could be behind for the housing market. Mark Hamrick, Washington. The wife of the ex-Syracuse coach facing sexual molestation charges is suing ESPN for what she says was a public smearing of her reputation. Lori Fine is filing a defamation suit against ESPN, reporter Mark Schwartz, and producer Arthur Burko. I'm here today as a wife and a mother who has had to endure the trauma of being smeared in the public as a monster. The wife of former Syracuse assistant basketball coach Bernie Fine says the network raced to report false accusations in the wake of the Penn State sex abuse scandal. According to the lawsuit, those false charges included seeing her husband molest children but not doing anything about it and having sexual affairs with Syracuse basketball players. ESPN says it stands by its reporting. Warren Levinson, New York. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your life coach. We do what we can every day on this show to uh, help you and your loved ones grow healthy, happy lives, relationships. We're just trying to keep you alive long enough to uh, enjoy this great thing we call life. And uh, on today's show, we're going to give you a lot of tools to help you not only maybe save some money, but hopefully uh, not fall under the incredible crush of finances and debt. There is just so much going on financially with us that I think we are running into um, some serious, uh, what's the word for it, I guess, just despair financially. Are you feeling it? As you're driving home from work, do you feel like uh, all this work you put in today is even going to make a dent financially in your family? Do you feel like you're getting ahead? Do you feel like you're not? And how do we get out of all of this financial doom and gloom? Uh, You see it in the news as you see countries struggling Greece uh, seriously struggling financially right now. In fact, today, I guess about $880 million was withdrawn from the banks, the Greek banks, which, you know, is a big deal on the banking industry there. And just the insecurity we feel, the lack of financial stability. And as it trickles down on today's show, we're going we're gonna to show you how to handle some of this stress a little bit better how to maybe shore up a little bit more your finances so you don't have to feel so stressed out, maybe how to teach your children, um, I guess how to be a little bit different. Maybe what we ought to do is maybe let's not take Sean Diddy Combs' advice on this one. There was a a story that came out a while ago about what Sean bought his son for his birthday. So what would you, if you're Puff Daddy or P. Diddy, I don't know what he's going by anymore. Uh, I'm sure it has a P and a D in it. but what do you buy your son? Think of this. Your 16-year-old cute little boy, you buy him, I don't know, a bike. I think I, when I was 16, I think I got a Schwinn bike, a red one. It was super fast, 10-speeder. We didn't want more than 10 back then because you'd pull something. Um, and so, no, but he didn't buy his cute little son that. He instead, the hip-hop mogul a few years ago or a year ago, bought his son a $360,000 car for his 16th birthday. But who wouldn't? Okay, it's just a Maybach. 
just a car, $360,000 luxury sedan, wrapped in a big red uh, bow and parked outside the club that he was having his 16th birthday in. What a great dad. Man, dad, I love you. Thanks for the Maybach. Can I borrow your CDs to put in my car? It's the ultra, ultra luxury automobile line. It's operated by Daimler which is also the parent of Mercedes-Benz, as you know. And a few hip-hop celebrities also have them. Russell Simmons and Jay-Z are also among the famous Maybach owners. But the party was for his son. You know, you had to have the whole cast of Jersey Shore there. You know, it's just tons of fun. <laughs> tons of fun. And uh, the son, uh, dad gave his son a check for ten grand, which uh, Justin immediately donated to the Wyclef Jeans charity uh, that goes to relief in Haiti. Now, think of that. What a great dad. $360,000 car for the son, $10,000 for the poor people in Haiti. And uh, then we sit here and we wonder, why is it that our children aren't quite getting it? By the way, uh, you're probably not going to let your 16-year-old son just drive that car, are you? Of course not. You're going to need to hire him a driver who will then drive the son around in his car. Do you think that's the way we should be doing this? Apparently, again, you know, I don't want to just sit here and critique, but you know what? There's a problem in America, and maybe part of the problem is the fact that I don't know that we have a clue what we're doing with our finances and how we teach people. We have a ton of people in debt. The mortgage crisis huge. We have another crisis we're going to be talking about today, which is student loans and student debt crisis. I'm not sure these kids, as I just walk around, just my staff here at Brigham Young Radio or BYU Radio, I mean, all of their parents are giving them Mercedes and and um, cars like that. I mean, the Mercedes are 40 years old, but it's still a Mercedes, and it's missing an insignia. I don't know what students you're talking about. Am I not talking about you? No. Okay, that's kind of rude. I'm talking about Bryce. It's Bryce. Um, uh, are we teaching the kids what they need to know? As you, you as parents, do you even know how all of this works? We're going to be talking to a financial expert. He's going to be giving us some advice on how to not only prepare our children financially so that they have a clue, and how to prepare yourself to retire. When you think of retirement, does that sound like a good idea? Well, I'd love to, but I don't think I can afford to for 70 years. There's a new study out called uh, From the Financial Capability in the United States, uh, commissioned by the FINRA Investor Education Foundation. And Americans were asked how satisfied they were with their current financial state. So you ask yourself the same question. On a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being not at all satisfied, 10 being extremely satisfied, where do you fit on this, okay? On average, Americans roughly um, rated themselves roughly 5.55. So on the scale from 1 to 10, we're a little bit better than halfway up the scale. Those in the 75,000-plus income bracket – Rated the uh, their average their marital or their financial satisfaction six point five four on a ten point scale. That's less than two points higher than those that um, make less than twenty five thousand dollars a year, and their rate was four point seven one. So where would you rank yourself financially as far as your your satisfaction financially? And what we're finding is that when, um, when asked how easy or difficult it was to cover their expenses and pay their bills each month, 49% of the people responded that it's not easy. They're stressed. They're struggling. So 50% of us out there are seriously struggling in uh, meeting our financial needs. I was sitting with a client. I do um, 
relationship coaching and we teach instead of you know psychotherapy with our couples we teach them skills and tools for how to talk how to relate and i was working with a woman um who had been divorced and was receiving alimony from her husband and um anyway a lot of alimony she was receiving uh between alimony and child support roughly let's just kind of say $11,000 a month okay pretty good money right $11,000 a month. The woman was stressed out of her gourd. She was so stressed out because her house payment was about eight grand. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? Her house payment is about $8,000 a month. And she makes 11000 plus she could go work as well, so she could you know, get some more money in there. And as we sat down and talked about it, what I realized is she has all the money in the world. All she needs to do is get a clue in how to manage it and how to figure out how to get ahead with it. So we spent the entire time building a plan for how if she sold the house. By the way, I asked her, are you able to sell it? Oh, absolutely. She's figured it all out. She knows what she could get. She's figured out that if she sold it, she could go buy another house. And the new house that she's kind of thinking of would have a house payment of about $2,500. So she'd then be putting away a lot of money. And I'm like, well, why aren't we doing this? And she said, I don't know how. I don't know how. And I'm like, okay. So that's where the idea of the show came from. We have got to get on top of this. How do we get ahead financially? That's what we're talking about on the show. How do we really take back our lives financially? How do we teach our kids uh, the importance of money, the importance of how to spend, how not to spend, how to save? This isn't just about your financial health, folks. Apparently, this is also about your physical health. Did you know that according to a new survey, um, one in five respondents – Oh, yeah. One in five respondents um, with moderately high or high levels of debt, stress, experienced incidents of mental and physical health deterioration. Here's some of the data that they found in this study. More than 13 times as likely for people that have debt stress, they are 13 times as likely than low to no stress people to lose sleep at night. They're more than seven times as likely to have severe anxiety. They're almost seven times as likely to take stress out on others. They're nearly six times as likely to experience severe depression. They're four times as likely to have ulcers or other digestive problems. They're twice as likely to have heart problems and migraines. Apparently, money doesn't buy happiness. And debt buys a trip to the morgue. You're on your way. So we're going to be figuring this out. We're going to be talking about it. before we do, let me just uh, share with you a very simple little um, piece that was put together by some of our staffers here, and I, they're talking about the impact of credit cards. You know how credit cards work, right? But does your teenager or your grandchildren know how they work? Because you tell them all the terms like credit scores, and it just seems to go in one ear and out the other. You may have to explain it to them like this. Hey, Catherine, look at the shirt I got. How much do you think this cost? I don't know, Corinne, like $20? It was free! Guess what? I went to the store, and they told me that if I wrote my name down, I'd get 30% off my total purchase. So I got this and two other shirts for $40. So you got a credit card? No, I didn't. I just got a store card. And they give me free stuff all the time. Uh, sorry, sweetheart, but that's a credit card. You can get stuff with it, but you have to pay it back. 
with interest. Interest? Like when a guy likes you because you have cute clothes? Not really. It's like when you borrow my clothes. When you get the store card, the store buys the clothes for you, and they're not yours until you pay them back. But the interest is a fee. The store charges you to have them right away before you've even paid for them. Oh, so the clothes aren't really mine, even though I can wear them. But I have to pay extra because I'm borrowing them first. Yes, you can borrow them because you're expected to pay them back because you have credit. What's credit? It's like building popularity. The nicer you are to people, the more popular you are. But if you're rude, people won't want to be your friend. It's the same with a credit score. If you're nice and pay your bills on time, people will want to let you borrow their clothes. But if you're rude and don't pay them back, then they'll stop letting you. Oh, okay. So it's like dating. In order to get asked on dates, people need to know who you are. Right. In order to get popular, you have to have some friends and treat them nicely, so people can see how nice you are. Oh, that's cool. But don't I look cute? Adorable. Yes, folks, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. All you need is a little music from Disney or whatever that soundtrack was from. And then talk about the popularity as your credit score. And uh, it no, it's not a credit card. It's a store card. Okay, folks, are we setting our children up to fail? And have we already set ourselves up to fail because we don't have a clue what we're doing financially? When we come back from the break, we're going to get into it. We're going to give you tools and ideas for how to take back your financial life. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Attention parents of young children. The following is a partial list of things that are probably happening in your backseat that you are completely unaware of. A food item is probably being stuffed into a crack. A strange sticky substance is being spread everywhere. Deep, sustained nasal exploration. Someone is probably making faces. Hitting. Hitting back. The cleaning of muddy shoes. Farting! (laughs) Something is probably spilling. Gum is lodging in hair. And your kids are probably riding in car seats that are being used incorrectly. Three out of four kids are not as safe as they should be. But the latch system is in most cars and makes it easier to get it right. Just attach the top tether and the lower anchors. The ones down near the old sandwich and the melted down crayons. A message from the U.S. Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. Our world is richly diverse, yet intimately interconnected. Discover this world with some of its most influential politicians, diplomats, and scholars by listening to Notes from the Kennedy Center, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. To the Matt Townsend Show, money, 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 money. You got any? Because I need a loan. I'm just looking for some money, Dad. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We are talking about finances and how to take your life back, how to not let it kill you. And uh, we're first going to go to a package where we're going to hear about one of the biggest sources of debt in the country. It's not just mortgages. It's not just credit cards. It's now seeping down into our college-educated kids. It's the college student loan. 
So I read this article about a girl named Kelsey. She's 23 and just graduated with a bachelor's in marketing. And she's $120,000 in student debt. Mamma mia! Now, to protect the innocent or guilty, I won't say the name of the school, but it's a pretty good one. U.S. News and World Reports has released its list of best college rankings. But it's still no Harvard. Looking at the school's website, Kelsey's tuition probably ran around seventeen grand a semester. Let's make some money. Now that is in league with Harvard. Thirty-four grand a year, plus ten grand for housing and meals, grand for health insurance, and a $240 technology fee. For a modest four-year total of $176,896, or in the right neighborhood, the asking price for a four-bedroom bungalow. This home is approximately 956 square feet and is situated on a 2105 square foot property. 176,896. And she only owes 120,000, so that probably means potentially that she and her parents have already sunk about 50 grand into that education <laughs> in cash. <laughs> So how on earth do you get a mortgage of a student loan debt minus the house? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Yeah. Well, that's what a lot of Generation Y is asking themselves now. Through high school, counselors beat into millennials' heads that if they wanted a piece of that middle-class pie, they needed to go to a good college. It's the only way for his sons to grab their fair share of the American dream. So the ambitious Gen Yers participated in every club. Every extracurricular activity and whine to every teacher to give them an A so that they could bypass the community college and get waitlisted at a top 10 school where they could get a prestigious job and afford one of those $400,000 homes that were common five years ago. This home is approximately 956 square feet. But when the housing bubble deflated, so went the jobs. And now ambitious students like Kelsey are finding themselves with a prestigious degree and working two shifts at a restaurant at seven bucks an hour. Now, even if she nearly kills herself working 12-hour days, that's an annual take-home pay of about 18000 a year, just over 12000 after taxes, to a grand total of $1,065 a month. First expense, student loan payment. At 15 years, fixed 3.4% APR, that comes to $852 a month, leaving Kelsey with a take-home pay of $213 to spend on rent food, gas, and insurance. By the way, the government's calculator recommends an annual salary of $102,000 to pay back that kind of loan. Come on! Which, even if the economy gets better, that's not going to happen. So suddenly, that B student who was a little less ambitious and went to the community college, or maybe just a very modestly priced university, graduated with no debt, well, you know, that doesn't sound so bad. Wow. You know what? Thank heavens for mediocre people like me. Because, boy, that is a ton of debt. That is a ton of debt. And it's not a ton of debt if you're, I guess it's, there's a simple answer as we bring in our, our expert. Uh, Ray Levitri is here with us today. He is a 20-year certified financial planner. He is the author of 20 Retirement Decisions You Need to Make Right Now. And uh, just a great all-around guy. And we know that I think his student debt total. Uh, $300,000, right, Ray? <laughs> not quite. Would you ever? I mean, it's not a bad deal if you make 400000 coming out. Right. Well, if you're, you're going to be a physician, perhaps. Yeah. Um, outside of that, your diploma is really a ticket to an interview. And after you get the, the job, it doesn't really matter anymore. It's, it's just, it's like we don't, we're not getting it. Yeah. Is it that the parents don't get it? I mean, these kids are being told one thing. Go out, get the best degree you can. It's so, and then all of a sudden... 
we're this much in debt? What's the, where are we losing this? Yeah, the parents typically don't get it, and the kids are doing what the parents do. Yeah. And the parents have too big of houses, you know, too much debt on their on their cars and their de- and their credit cards, et cetera. Yeah. And consequently, the kids are just doing what they've been taught. And it's just, hey. And they want to live like they were. I mean, that's one of the things I'm seeing, too, is, you know, it's it's hard to, like, tell my 18-year-old daughter that, you know, no, you don't drive a car like dad drives. Yeah, okay, exactly. you drive a You drive a piece of junk. <laughs> that's that's just how this works. Right. And your previous – the previous discussion you had about the, uh, the guy who bought the 300,000-plus yeah. car is hurting his kid. Mm-hmm. He's destroying his kid, quite yeah. honestly. I mean, is that kid going to be able to make the money his dad does? Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you'll inherit yeah, the, the company or something. Yeah. But uh, ultimately, if you give your kids a lot, you're probably going to hurt them more than you're going to help them. Yeah. But that takes a ton of discipline, doesn't it, to not just go – I mean, you've got to understand – you've got to understand what the plan is. I mean, I can see giving them a leg up, but they need a plan and they need discipline and they need to have to earn it, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, you can kind of ask yourself the question of, do I want my kids living in my basement for the right. rest of my life? Because, Which is huge right now. Yeah, but the reason for that is that um, a lot of parents have entitled their kids. They've done everything for their kids. They bail them out every second. Yeah. And uh, kids always know they can go back to mom and dad. And now they're still living in the basement and they're 40 with their with their kids. Well, to pay off their student loans because they can't afford it. Yeah. But, and it's funny. I have clients in that situation. And uh, they ask me, what should I do? They come in. They complain about it. And they want to know what to do. And I say, well, kick them out. The best thing you could do for them for the rest of their lives is to kick them out. Well, but they, but where grandma, they go? <laughs> yeah, grandma can't kick out grandkids. No. It's just not going to happen. But ultimately, they're hurting the kids. Well, see, and, and as we get into this in our next segment, we'll talk about retirement and the impact. I mean, now all of a sudden, you're, you're starting to become this multi-generational home where now you're not just taking care of you and your wife into retirement. You're taking care of everybody. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's going to take your resources away. Yeah, exactly. And you, you don't want to do that. And it's easy not. It's easy to avoid that. Yeah. You just simply do some things when they're younger, and that won't happen. What are some things you think that are just immediate things parents should be doing with their kids? Yeah. First of all, I would say don't give your kids money. Cover the necessities. Cover the school clothes. Yeah. Those types of things. Outside of that, make them pay for everything. So. Um, I heard someone say, and I thought it was a great idea, and that is pr- provide them with as much work as they want. But don't give them a dollar. Oh, that's so great. And so all you can, you know, so you could invent jobs if you want, yeah. but make sure that the money that they get, they had to earn. And it's always like contingent on the earning. Exactly. They had to have done something. No free money. Exactly. Would and you give them money ahead of time and let them earn it later, the credit model? Um, probably not. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't. No, and, and maybe if they're the type of kid that would, yeah. you know, that would, you know, come back and actually pay it back. Yeah. And football camps two weeks and they got to have the money, then maybe that's, yeah. you know, that's a situation where you would do it. But yeah, generally, no. That, that tough love is what they need. I love the idea of give them as much work as they'll take. I mean, and so you can just keep making stuff up. There's right. no end. Yeah, and if you can afford it, they can make as much money as they want. That's right. And and then so what's another one? So give them give them you know give them an incentive. No free money. Right. Incidentally, that no free money, you could even just tack that on or tie that to their grades, and say, hey, listen. Ultimately, if they get good grades, yeah, um, they might earn a scholarship or they yeah. might do better in the future. Um, so do what a college does and say, hey, if you get good grades, we'll pay for your tuition in the case of college. If you get good grades, we'll give you money for the things you need. And so it's it. still it's, – it's achievement-based. It's mm-hmm. work-based. It's not we're just going to dole out money. The yeah. kid realizes, hey, I had to do something to make this you – know, to get this money. But I guess part of that is you just – you have to be talking. I mean this is stuff – 
that's what happens is we're all so reactive to it that we don't, you know, we didn't anticipate the football program, even though we knew it was coming for eight months. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think the other thing that you can do and probably the biggest thing you can do is, is teach your kids how to save. And a great way to do that is to do what a lot of people's companies do for them, and that is match their contributions. Oh, that's a great idea. So, so what they put in, you match it. Right. And you can set the match up however you yeah. want. Um, but we did that with our daughters. We walked them down to the bank, and um, we had them actually fill the paperwork out to open the new account. We had them put money in, and then we had to deal with them. If you add money to the, the bank, we'll match it. That dollar is a for great dollar. idea. And so basically they were going, all right, we put a dollar there, we make $2. And then we use that money to buy cars. And so my daughter actually did get a car when she was 16 with the red bow, but she bought half. She had bought half of she, her car. She had saved up two grand, and I matched her with two grand, and she ended up and with a nice – got a $4,000 car. Exactly. I mean, really, what you don't need more. I mean, that's no. – all of a sudden, that's your money. You appreciate that car. You're going to take care of that car. You're going to wash that car. Yeah, exactly. It's and, a great way to do it. Yeah, so it was great for her, and she didn't – I've always been opposed to just giving your kid a car when yeah. you're 16. But in this case – she earned it. And she worked for it for a lot of years. She saved the money up, and it was exciting to give it to her, knowing that not only was she getting a car, but she got a valuable lesson of, yeah. you know, I can do stuff. I can I can earn things. I can take care of myself. Well, see, what's interesting, I would I could actually see one of my kids not even wanting a car, but just wanting a piano. You know what I mean? And <laughs> right. so, but now he's motivated to get his own piano or his own keyboard or his own. I mean, to me, that's the lesson they've got to be learning: is that there's a cost, nothing's free. Yeah, exactly. And it works. That's good stuff. What about um Ray? What like what, what what do you think when you see a kid right now that's 18 years old, what do they need to know about credit? Cuz it seems like like the whole piece we just did about hey, it's not a credit card, it's a it's a it's a business card or it's the department store card. What do they need to know or what don't they know? Yeah, a couple of things. First of all, they ought to make it a rule and just say it's a rule I don't take on consumer debt, period, and live by that rule. Yeah. If they do just that, they'll almost guarantee that they'll have wealth at some point in their lives. Yeah. But that means uh, I don't owe for a car. I don't owe for clothes. I don't do anything on credit yeah. uh, except at some point you know, a mortgage. A mortgage later. Right. And uh, you could justify some school debt uh, but not to the extremes you guys yeah. talked about. Because you know, school debt, I mean, you're an investment, and so you know, putting money into investment is good. Don't put, don't buy any, don't buy a non. I don't want to say that. Don't buy an asset on credit that's not appreciating. Yeah. So that means cars and all those other things that aren't appreciating. But you, as an individual, if you get education, you're, you're appreciating. So we asset. could we could justify some, mm-hmm. you know, debt for school. See, that's to me, it's just basic advice. It seems so simple, and yet I think our kids aren't getting it for some reason. Well, I get, maybe we're also financially stressed that we're not even giving them the lessons, and we're just handing down more financial stress. Great. We're going to come back with Ray Levitri, and he's here with us. Uh, He's the author of 20 Retirement Decisions You Need to Make Right Now. We are going to be giving some of these books away, so get ready. Get your pen and your paper. We're going to give you a phone number when we come back for a number you can call to pick up a book if you want a free copy of this book. Ray's been nice enough to give away five of them or so. So we are watching or listening to the Matt Townsend Show on how to handle your finances better right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. If I had bacon and egg shampoo with Pop-Tart cream rinse, are you going to put that on your head in bear country? 
The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. So, I'm a dog, and I just got adapted by this new human guy, and I'm starting to wonder how he got along without me. I mean, okay, something as simple as walking around the block. He's got this leash thing, and he puts me on one end and him on the other, and I'm just taking him around. I I think he's afraid of getting lost. Without that leash and me guiding him along, I don't think he'd find his way back home. But it's kind of cute. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Palestinians are charging a former top monetary aide with corruption. The Palestinian government is looking for the legendary Mohammad Rashid, Yasser Arafat's money man. They want to put him on trial for skimming millions of dollars of official funds. They say it's the biggest of dozens of corruption cases they're pursuing. Corruption has plagued the Palestinians through their 17 years of self-rule. They've received billions of dollars in foreign aid and have little to show for it besides bloated bureaucracies and security services. Many feel the main culprit was Arafat himself. Mark Levy, Tel Aviv. Congress and the Transportation Security Administration are looking at changes that could help stop airport threats from the inside. TSA has agreed to make changes to improve the effectiveness of its efforts to protect the traveling public. Acting Inspector General Charles Edwards tells a House committee examining the risks to passenger planes from inside threats that there are changes that need to be made. For instance, rechecking workers who already have security badges. Passing an initial criminal history check does not preclude employees from engaging in subsequent criminal activity and presenting an insider threat. He also says TSA inadequately investigates the backgrounds of initial badge applicants. Sandy Kozell, Washington. Women are taking up thousands of roles in combat battalions this week, and now top Army officials are considering allowing them to be trained in ranger school. The Army's top officer is suggesting sending women to ranger school would let them be more competitive with their male counterparts. If we determine that we're going to allow women to go into infantry and be successful, they are probably at some time going to have to go through ranger school. We have not made that decision yet. General Ray Odierno says senior commanders are studying the idea. Going to ranger school does not automatically mean the women would be allowed to serve in one of the three elite ranger battalions, since women are not allowed to be in special operations forces. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. The nation's retiring top hurricane forecaster is saying that improvements need to be made in building codes and storm science. National Hurricane Center Director Bill Reed's retirement is coming just before the 20th anniversary of Hurricane Andrew. A reminder, he says, that many coastal cities should be remembering. We caught lightning in a bottle down here in in South Florida. You all passed a building code uh, that actually made sense. And, And nowhere else in the country has really gone that far in adopting better building codes, and it really makes a difference. Reed says forecasting has improved, except for predicting storm intensity, which will be one of the top challenges for his successor. Federal officials have yet to name a replacement. Tony Winton, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about money and the impact, uh, I guess, good and bad, potentially, money has on you, your life, your relationships, your health. 
Apparently, it's killing us, folks. We just aren't saving enough, and our kids maybe we're not setting up for enough success. Um, and then that gets into other student loan issues. And now we want to move with our guest. Ray Levitri, um is with us today. He is a um, certified financial planner, 20 years in the business, author of the book, 20 Retirement Decisions You Need to Make Right Now. And in fact, Ray has been so nice that he's given us some books to give away. And we're going to give a book away to the first five callers that give us a call at this number, 801-422-0204, 801-422-0204. All you got to do is call us and we will mail you out a book it's a big book, Ray. You are, and he's already got another book underway, but it's about 350 pages of just great retirement information, how to make it work. And seriously, Ray, retirement, I mean, here I am, 43 years old, and I'm thinking, I am not ready. Yeah. And then I look at my kids, and I'm thinking, they are not ready. None of us are ready. What are we missing here? Well, the big, the big thing, and I think there's a couple of statistics that back it, is that we're just not saving enough. The average American saves about 2%. Oh. And the average retiree, and this is scary, over half of retirees have less than $50,000 total in investment and savings in, savings in bank assets. Oh, my heavens. And so less that's, than half. Yeah. So that means that, yeah, most of the people out there that are retired are living on Social Security. And that's the way most people are tracking if they're saving 2% or less. That's crazy. So it's the, the, probably the general guideline is that um, for retirement, so long-term savings, you should be saving 10% of your gross combined income if you and your spouse are working. 10% of combined gross annually. Annually. And that's on the minimum side. In fact, as I do retirement projections, uh, people that are saving 10% are kind of on the bubble as far as being able to retire when they want and to have the income or the, you know, the, the lifestyle they want. Uh, people that are saving 15% usually have some options. Yeah. Close to retirement, maybe retire earlier, maybe retire with more income than they uh, had previously planned. But they have some options. So the, the recommendation would be absolutely get to 10% of your gross combined. And from there, start pushing it up 1% a year, 1% mm-hmm. every six months. Just slowly ratchet it up you so can. your budget doesn't you – know, you don't fill it you know, in yeah. a big way in your budget. And uh, once you're at that 15% mark, you should be set. Now, that's 15% for the long term. Yeah. You have the short-term issues as well. But that's where you should be on the retirement side. Wow. And see, so you know what? Well, do you have any idea what percentage is actually doing that? Who's getting that done? Uh, very few, five. Very few, and I haven't I haven't looked at the statistics yeah. for that, but it would have to be very few, given you know the other numbers. See, it's um, it, to me again, it goes back to kind of discipline. It's trying to, I guess, understand our needs and our wants. I mean, yeah. it seems like we don't even have that under control. Yeah, exactly. Well, think about what you drive, and this is that's a great example. I have a client who's pretty successful. Uh, we did a retirement projection. She was saving about five hundred dollars uh, a month, too little. And so it was like, all right. Well, she, and she was in a place where she could kick in another six grand a year towards her, her retirement, in addition to what she was already doing. But she went out about the same time, leased a, a forty thousand dollar Beamer, and has a five hundred dollar a month payment. Mm. And so she essentially opted for instead of driving a you know car she could pay cash for, she opted to have a little more luxury, a little more comfort, and shortchange her retirement. And yeah. that's what a lot of people do is they you know, they simply would rather have stuff now than take what they're you know, using to make payments and yeah. putting it in their 401k or IRAs or... I remember somebody. a financial planner telling me I couldn't. <laughs> he just <laughs> says, you can't afford that car. You need to get rid of that car. 
And I'm like, sorry, mom. It was my mom. And um, (laughs) she's a great planner, though. But isn't it interesting that we need – it's almost like we need somebody to run these ideas by because we're just thinking we need a car and we have the payment. Right. And then then we go lease it. When you could just go buy an older car with a little depreciation already, don't take the hit. Well, a lot of people get stuck with buying the car, the stereotypical car for their lifestyle. So I live in a nice neighborhood, so I need a BMW or a Mercedes or I need – you know, a nice SUV, um, and that's not necessarily the case. That's yeah. never the case, quite honestly. So in my case, um, I, I have a 2002 Camry with 135,000 miles, and it's paid for. And it's worth my, my daughter's car we just talked about. It's probably yeah. worth more than it is. Isn't that amazing? But it, I, my goal is to get it to 200,000 miles, and in the process, I'm not making a three, four, five dollars $500 a month payment, which no. frees that money up to go to an well, asset that's going to grow, hopefully. Well, honestly, and if I've, and I've seen your car— <laughs> And it's not no, it's a great car. But if I, but honestly, that's what I'd want my financial planner driving. If my financial planner, but the funny thing is, is that people would expect to see the Mercedes right in your driveway or in your in your parking lot. But that means you're not walking your talk. You're walking your talk. It would be so much easier right now for you to just go get a three hundred dollar payment, like you couldn't do that. Yeah, and that's that's, yeah, and that's what if you're a doctor, you get a nice car. If you're an attorney, you get a nice car. If you're a financial advisor, you get a nice car. Mm -hmm. But Every time you do that, you just put money into a depreciating asset that won't help you in the future versus putting it in an appreciating asset, stocks, bonds, funds, et cetera, that actually will you know, support you in the future. That's huge. In fact, I just want to put another call out. We're giving away 20 retirement decisions. It's a book. 20 books from Ray Levitri, and he – He's a, just a great certified financial planner, 20 years of doing this, but he's, he's willing to give us uh, um, some books to give away. If you give us a call, 801-422-0204, anywhere, if you're hearing this message, we'll send you this book uh, for the first five people that call in, 801-422-0204, 20 retirement decisions you need to make right now. Um, it's interesting, too, uh, Ray, I, and I guess this is the key. You're a financial planner. Planning to me is like the inherent killer to most people in like health, in weight, in exercise, in life, in finances, in our marriage. We don't have time to do it. How do you get ahead? How, what do you suggest that people do to actually start the planning process? Yeah, and that's an interesting, interesting comment because um, if you want a hot tip, here's a hot yeah. investment tip. Uh, that will double your money statistically, and that is get a financial plan. Yeah. A written document that says, here's where I am, here's where I want to be, and here's a game plan for getting to, from point A to point B. And do that for your investments in retirement and insurance and estate planning and kids' education, et cetera. Yeah. Um, a study was done by the SEC, and they found that people with written financial plans had twice as much money as people without. Mm. So if you want to double, your, you know, right double your money or double the money you'll have in the future, get a financial plan. Well, and, and again, that takes a little effort. Takes, I'm sure – I remember I sat down and they just told me all these things to get and I was just completely overwhelmed. And then that's sometimes probably when it drops. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know where all that is. Yeah. But then we don't get it. But if we do some planning, you're at least going to have a chance. Right. And, and the first thing to do would be just to go out and inventory everything you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people don't even know what, you know, what they have. Yeah. Um, they have you know, I have life insurance at work, but I have no idea how much. I yeah. mean that's what a lot of people say when they come into my office. Yeah. Um, I get free money from my company. I get a match, but I don't even know what it is. Ugh. I mean, just we got to hone even, in on what's what's out there. They're not even leveraging the free money. 
Exactly. And a lot of people are saying, hey, you just need to save 3% and they'll give you 3%. Yeah. And they're not even doing that. So, yeah, at least get the free money. Yeah. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Get the free money. Exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. What else? What else would you suggest we do that we that would get us ahead financially? Well, the, th- the thing you really should be focusing on, and, and it goes back to the discussion we just had, and that is you've got to get your savings rate up. And to do that, that typically means you need to either or, you know work more yeah. or cut your spending. And essentially what that comes down to is uh, am I more concerned with – building wealth, or am I more concerned with extra comfort, extra status? Huge. And you have to decide. Now, if you go buy a nice car and you have a payment, guess what? You just chose status over wealth. Um, If you have a car that you can pay cash for and you can take the payment now and put it in your 401k, you just chose wealth. Yeah. So you just need to decide what what side of the table you want to be on. Do I want to be wealthy later or do I want to look cool or be comfortable now? But Absolutely got to get the savings rate up from the 2 or 3 or 4 or 5% up to the 15%. Yeah. And that's key. And, and then from there, what you invest in, all those other things are secondary because your savings rate will drive your future. See, that is um, – it, it's, it's such a simple plan. What, uh, what else do you – what's like the key to what, – what is this key do you think to get the momentum to actually start doing it? Is there something that just kind of starts tipping the scale that makes you think, okay, I need some wealth creation here? Yeah, it's called age 45. That's exactly. Yeah, people start at about age in, – in their early 40s, they start looking and going, wait, I don't have enough to retire. And then they start to get serious about it. And unfortunately, waiting 10 years to get serious about yeah. it is hundreds of thousands of dollars left on the table as far as money that you know, could yeah. have grown and, and been a lot of money by the time you hit retirement. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, we, we need to have a, a mass wake-up call and get people at least saving more. From there, they need to invest wisely, and that's another downfall. And the average, the average person invests based on their emotions. Mm-hmm. Their, behavior, their, their emotions dictate their behavior, right. not you know, solid planning or a strategy. And so if you think about it, and this is crazy, when do people want to buy investments? Uh, I guess, well, when they're seeing other friends making them, when they're starting to make money, when they need them. Right. I mean, if, if, your, if your son came up and said, hey, Dad, how do you make money in real estate? You'd say, well, you buy low and sell yeah, high. Yeah, buy low, sell high. But your son and most investors don't do that. They buy once something went up 20%. Yeah, once they got the buzz, they see it and then right. they go so, buy it. Yeah, like, oh, I want 20% too. So yeah. they buy high and then the first time it drops, if it's cyclical. They sell out and get out. They feel bad and they sell. So they buy when they feel good, when it's up. That's they sell right when there. they feel bad, when it's down. And they guarantee poor results when they do that. Every time. Because exactly. they're just – they're too reactive. You can't be reactive in this process. You need to – be proactive, right? Yeah, exactly. In fact, there was a study done for the last, it's actually a 20 year study ending last year, found that had you just put money in the stock market, in the SP 500 stocks, and fallen asleep for 20 years, you would have made about 9% a year. Oh, my heavens. The average investor buying stocks made about 2% a year for the same 20 year period. Yeah. Which suggests that the average investor is ruled by their emotions. Yeah. And not only are they making bad decisions once or twice, they're making them. Every day. And you need to stay and play, stay and play. Huge. Give me one more. What's your final tip, Ray? What's the number one key? Uh, the biggest thing, like we said, is just you've know, got to hone in on and controlling our spending, increasing our saving. And I think from an investment standpoint, you've got to just position your assets based on when you're going to spend them. You shouldn't have money in stocks or stock funds that you're going to spend in the next seven, eight years, within yeah. the next seven, eight years. Stock funds, stock that's money that you're not going to spend for 10 years plus. Right. And um, then from there, you can have, you know, build your stock portfolio. Money you're going to need in the next two to 10 years, that's your bond money. Money you're going to need in the next 
one or two years, that's your cash or your is, bank money. Is it bad, Ray, um, if you think that the way you're actually going to make it financially is just by having your parents or your, your in-laws die? Is it bad to just be hoping someone's going to die so you inherit some money? Is that a bad way to plan for your future? <laughs> yeah, that's an awful way to plan. Isn't that? I mean, yeah. think of it. If you're, if you're hoping for someone's death, that's a pretty good sign that you need to get a financial plan. Yeah, that's like saying I don't need life insurance because I'm going to live forever. Oh, yeah. Right. That's my plan. I'm just not going to die. Yeah. It, it, right. I mean, if I do die, everyone will have the money. So it'll be or whatever. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's messed up, Ray. Ray, appreciate it. You're a good man. And he's given away some books. If you're still interested, 801-422-0204. Just call that number and we will give you a free book. We'll send it out to you. The book's called 20 Retirement Decisions You Need to Make Right Now by Ray Levitri. 801-422-0204. Give us a call. And uh, it's just a gift from... Ray to, I guess, BYU Radio and BYU Radio to you. So give us a buzz on that. Now we are going to be taking a break. When we come back, we're going to go in-depth, take a deeper look at um, some other keys, some other tools that might help you at least learn to communicate better around things like money. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Hey, parents, finding it hard to communicate with kids in today's world of ever-changing slang? Hi, son. Excuse me? Introducing the Communicizer. Just strap non-toxic Communicizer to your mouth and go from boring old man speak. Oh, you know, I'm here if you want to talk. To 100% off the chain. Text me whatever, yo. It's that easy. Thanks to Communicizer, I'm relevant to my kids again. I mean... Oh, fly, boo. And now when you buy Communicizer, you get the auto-tune attachment free. Sounds so hip-hop, your kids will want to talk to you for hours. I used to have to walk three miles uphill to school every morning. Shorte. I love you, Dad. I love you too, son. Communicizer is not available in stores because it doesn't exist. But that's okay. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Because kids in foster care don't need perfection. They need you. For more information on how you can adopt, go to adoptuskids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Adopt Us Kids and the Ad Council. Oh, the Andersons are coming to dinner on Thursday. Mom, I made a horse today. Mm, Thursday. Um, it was cowboy day. You know, how about rosemary chicken? I learned how to lasso. Well, we could make ribs or... Uh... Oh, listen. With a couple in aisle seven, please pay attention to their son. People are looking at us. We're good parents. Son, what did you do at school today? I told you already. There, there you, you see? Shoppers, today's special is family. Isn't it about time? From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You smell like a six-foot-two strawberry. Do you see a problem with that in bear country? The Morning Show with Marcus Smith, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We've been talking about finances. And uh, you know what? It's just not easy, is it? It's not easy to try to stay ahead, to make sure we get it all, to get everything we need. Uh, we got to plan. We got to take care of our money. We got to educate our children. How do we do it all? Maybe we just need to listen to Scrooge McDuck. Maybe he's got some powerful advice for us. You boys have to learn that you can never get something for nothing. <laughs> you can't get something for nothing, kids. It just doesn't work that way. Um, now, as we kind of start wrapping this up, 
and we need to figure out what we're going to do with um, our time, what we're going to do with our money, what we're going to do with our focus. How are we going to get ahead financially? I want you to be asking yourself, what do you specifically need to focus on? What is what is it that you need of all things to make sure that you um, take advantage of your of your life, that you start to understand better your own money situation, your own um, finances? Because when we talk about finances, it doesn't necessarily get easier. And especially because I think it's something that's so technical, we may not even be um, – we not even may not even have the the capacity, the competency to know at all what we should be doing with our finances, let alone actually having the time and the attention to be able to do it. So as as you're sitting there and you're at home, I want you to ask yourself one question. What is the most important thing you need to do today financially to protect your family, to to take advantage of some of the things that, uh, that you need to do. We're now going to go to um, a little book review of a great book that's called The Millionaire Next Door. And it's just a little segment we put together of some of the greatest ideas out of the book, The Millionaire Next Door. It just shows you simply how are you living in relation to the real millionaires according to this latest book. Listen to the description of these two men. Man one is a medical professional. He lives in a large house in a nice neighborhood. He has a boat, two jet skis, four current model cars, and a swimming pool. His wife shops at Saks Fifth Avenue, and he holds one or two of every major credit card. Man two is self-employed. He lives in a lower middle class neighborhood. He drives an older Civic. His wife shops at JCPenney. He has two credit cards, and he has a four-year degree. Which of these two is the millionaire? You probably think that Man 1 is the millionaire. Just look at his stuff. Well, if you did, you'd be wrong. Man 2 is the millionaire. Why? Because Man 1 is an under-accumulator of wealth, while Man 2 is a prodigious accumulator of wealth. These terms, under-accumulator and prodigious accumulator, come from the book The Millionaire Next Door by doctors Thomas J. Stanley and William D. Danko. They mean that Man 1 does not accumulate wealth, while Man 2 has a talent for wealth accumulation. This book is the result of a study conducted by the aforementioned doctors who interviewed millionaires from the United States to find out why they were millionaires. The result surprised them. Going back to the example of Man 1 and Man 2, Man 1 is not a millionaire because he has a high-consumption lifestyle. His income may be high, but he's paying so many bills and spending so quickly that not much sticks around for savings or investing. Dan Cohen Stanley asked the question, and I'm paraphrasing, how long could you sustain your family if you were no longer employed? That's the real question and the real definition of wealthy. The book The Millionaire Next Door highlights the disparity between what the media shows as millionaires, several flashy cars and big houses and decadent vacations, and real millionaires, which the book prototypically describes as, quote, 57-year-old male married three children who live on less than 7% of their wealth. Also, about 80% of those millionaires are first-generation rich, which means that they earned it, not inherited it. To further explain the idea that millionaires could be running around us incognito, Danko and Stanley include this quote from one of the millionaires they interviewed. Quote, 
My business does not look pretty. I don't play the part. I don't act it. When my British partners first met me, they thought I was one of our truck drivers. They looked all over my office, looked at everyone but me. Then the senior guy of the group said, Oh, we forgot we were in Texas. I don't own big hats, but I own a lot of cattle. This quotation comes from what Danko and Stanley describe as a 35-year-old Texan who owned a very successful business that rebuilt large diesel engines. They go on to say that he drove a 10-year-old car and wore jeans and a buckskin shirt. Finishing the description, they wrote that he lived in a modest house in a lower middle class area. His neighbors were postal clerks, firemen, and mechanics. After reading a substantial portion of the book, my view on wealth shifted. The if I inherited a million dollars today game took on a whole new meaning. If you ask me now, I'd talk about buying a modest home and investing the rest to continue living like I'd never got the million dollars in the first place. If you'd asked me before, well, let's just say that man number one from the first example and I would be very alike, except with more cotton candy machines. If I were a rich man, all day long I if I were a wealthy man. On a more serious note, this book redefines the way I think about wealth. Not as a glamorous display, but as a product of planning, discipline, and hard work. Many could ask, what could be better than a big house and nice cars? Well, from what I learned, financial independence. Welcome back, everybody. Um, interesting book. Love the book. It um, it actually wore me out because I realized apparently I'm not the millionaire next door. I'm just the uh, loser wannabe millionaire that pretends like I have money, even though I don't. And now I'm exhausted. That's a that's just kind of a really important lesson. That uh, the old law of the harvest: you reap what you sow. Um, we have received a bunch of callers that got uh, a, a copy of that book that we were giving away, Ray Levitra's book. Um, if they, we had callers from Indiana, Houston, Texas, California, South Dakota, Arizona. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate that as well. We'll be giving away more things like that as we go throughout the show. Remember, our goal on the show is to see if we can't help you be better and healthier and happier. One of my good friends, a guy named Kurt Christensen, once said that about money, that money makes you more of what you already are. So if you're already happy and charitable, money will make you more of those things. If you're a negative person and selfish, money will make you more of those things. Basically, money exposes who you already are. And if you're having struggles, if you don't know how to get ahead, then maybe what money's exposing is that you're just a little disorganized. And you know what? That's fine. Just recognize it. Our goal on the show, remember, if we can help you, is to make sure that you have some tools. You've had some great ideas from the show, but maybe more importantly, there's a spirit of this that I really want you to feel, which is the spirit that, you know what? Let's get ahead. Let's start taking it more seriously. Let's slow down our spending a little bit. Let's start throwing away the stuff. We don't have to keep accumulating more and more and more. Maybe this is where the concept of less is more is really going to stick And I think, honestly, as we can slow down our spending, maybe we can start smelling the roses and start enjoying life again. Wouldn't that be a great feeling to know that you don't have to overwhelm yourself 
with all the debt, all the fears, all the struggles, all the trials, and instead just be grateful for what you've got. A little advice as well, maybe start making a list of everything you are grateful you have. You're grateful you have a job, that you have a place and a family to take care of. Are you grateful for those things as well? Because sometimes that makes um, all of the other stress that you might have because of your debt even a little sweeter. Appreciate you listening, folks. We're here every Monday through Friday, every single day, trying to help you guys take better care and lift your lives to higher levels. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show. We'd love to hear from you on Twitter at BYU Radio, on Facebook at BYU Radio, and email us at BYURadio at gmail.com. This is The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. BYU Broadcasting is currently looking for a content coordinating producer. For more information on this job opening, please visit us online at byubroadcasting.org.